0: One thing I really appreciate about that, that story in Acts chapter 8, story of Philip on the road who meets the Ethiopian eunuch, is that Philip was ready. Philip knew his Bible, and he was ready. And when that eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53, and he doesn't know what it's about and who it's referring to, that Philip could step into that chariot and he could start from that scripture and he could preach the message of Jesus. He was ready. And the question that I want all of you to think about right now with me is if you were in that situation, if you were Philip, would you be ready? If you were walking to class and you happened to see one of your classmates who's reading from Isaiah 53 and they're confused about what that means, could you start from that text and preach the message of Jesus? Because I have a feeling that there's many of us in the room that we don't feel real confident we could do that. And if we're going to be people who are spreading the gospel, we have to know what the gospel is. We have to be able to articulate it in a way that makes sense, in a way that is concise and impactful. And so if you don't feel like you could do what Philip did in Acts 8, this sermon is for you. It's for all of us to be able to understand and define what is the gospel. And I think the best way to understand what the gospel is, is to take a big picture view of scripture and what the story of the Bible is all about. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes, if you can walk with me on this, is I want to walk through the story of Scripture very briefly and just give you a summary of what the narrative of Scripture is all about so that we can understand the gospel. And I believe the story of Scripture can be broken down into six different chapters. And I'm going to use some of these college students to help me so that we can all stay together on which chapter we're on. And we're going to walk through scripture so that we can know what the Bible teaches and how we can articulate the gospel to someone else. So let's start with chapter one, and that is creation. Come on up. What, what is your name? Aaron. Aaron, stand right here. Creation. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. The darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The story of Scripture starts with creation. That God created everything we see and everything we experience that he built the mountains, he dug the valleys, he poured out the seas, he put fish in the waters, put birds in the sky, caused vegetation to grow, he caused animals to crawl upon the ground. And then this crowning point of creation was he created you and me, human beings. The Bible says in the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. But each one of us are made in God's image, made in God's likeness, and God blessed human beings. He wanted them to flourish. He wanted them to to grow and multiply. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to share relationship with us. That's why he made us in the first place so that we could be with him in harmony and in unity. But then something happened to disrupt the good creation that God made. That's chapter two in our story, and that is the curse. Now there, there was some debate on who would have the curse. I guess you lost. You stand right here. Paul said in Romans chapter five that through, through one man sin entered the world and through sin came death and death spread to all men because all have sinned. So God took Adam and Eve, the first two human beings place them in the garden of eden and in that garden of eden there was a tree a tree of knowledge of good and evil and god gave an explicit command you are not to eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil and, and the reason why god gave that command is because that tree represented independence moral autonomy it was a, a way where they could say I, I i want freedom from god i want to live my own life and god didn't want them to do that he wanted them to be with him But along comes the serpent. Serpent tempts Eve. Eve takes of that fruit, eats of it, gives some to Adam. He eats of it as well. And basically what they were doing, it wasn't simply that they broke a rule. It was that they were telling God, we want freedom from you. We want to be the rulers of our own lives. We don't want you to govern over us anymore. We don't want you telling us what to do. We want to choose our own way of life. And when they did that, immediately things changed because the curse of sin was entering the world. Immediately, they, fa- they felt embarrassed. They started to hide from God. They felt shame, wanted to cover themselves with clothing. They started to argue with one another. There was marital conflict. Even creation itself was cursed, and God had to tell Adam and Eve, you must leave the Garden of Eden. You are not welcome here anymore. And as you keep reading in Scripture, things just continue to get worse. Cain, commits the first murder as he kills his brother Abel. Then it says that every intent of of the heart of every human being was evil to where God says, I just wish I never created this place in the first place because his good creation was now unraveling because of the curse of sin that had entered his world. And so what was God going to do? He had a plan. And that plan starts, and focuses around a critical word, And that word is covenant. Covenant. Here's our chapter three covenant. Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, it says that the Lord came to Abram and said, I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your family. I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Everyone who blesses you, I will bless. Everyone who curses you, I will curse. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God starts his plan to deal with the curse by calling Abraham. He calls Abraham because he wants to make a nation through Abraham, not to build up Abraham's legacy, but instead so that through this nation, there would be blessing to a world that has become full of curse. Well, Abraham's obedient and he has a son named Isaac and Isaac has a son named Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons that eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. They go down to Egypt and they're enslaved for over 400 years in Egypt until God sends a deliverer named Moses who comes down to Egypt and by the power of God brings out the Israelites from Egypt and a new nation is born called Israel. God takes them. First, the first place he takes them is to Mount Sinai where there he makes a covenant with them. He gives them the Ten Commandments and says, If you will follow these laws, that's how you're to treat one another. And if you follow these laws, I will be your God and you will be my people. You will be a holy priesthood, he says, and a kingdom of priests. People will look to you, Israel, and they'll see what it's like to truly worship the one true and living God. And through you, you will bring blessing to a world full of curse. You will be a light to the nations. Well, very quickly, Israel does not live up to their calling. In fact, before Moses even gets down from the mountain, they're already breaking the Ten Commandments by worshiping a golden calf. But God is patient, he gives them judges, he gives them prophets, he gives them a king, he gives them a land, he gives them a capital city called Jerusalem, he even gives them a temple where his presence is going to dwell. Instead, Israel continues to be disobedient. They keep going farther and farther away from God. They, they worship idols, they don't take care of the poor, they don't listen to God's word, and so they just keep breaking the covenant, breaking the covenant, and they're not living up to what God wants to do, to bring blessing to a world that is cursed. And so finally God says, enough, enough. And he sends them into exile. He takes away their land, their king is captured, their capital city is besieged and their temple is destroyed. And yet, when they're in exile, God says, I'm gonna make a new covenant, and I'm gonna send a new king, and I'm gonna give a new heart and a new spirit to my people so that they can live up to what I want them to be and so that there can be blessing to a world full of curse. Which leads us to the next chapter, the most important chapter, Christ. It says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. The Word became flesh and has made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, glory coming down from the one and only, coming down from the Father full of grace and truth. In a small town in Bethlehem, while nobody was paying attention, a little baby was born who was helpless and vulnerable. And that baby was God in the flesh. And that baby grew up, Jesus Christ. He grew up in Nazareth, began to start his ministry in a region we call Galilee. And he launched his ministry in a synagogue when he quoted from Isaiah 61. He quoted this passage, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bring sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim release to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus said this after quoting that scripture. He said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. What Jesus was telling the crowd is that there's a new king who's here. There's a new king who's launching the new kingdom of God that God is on the move in a powerful way. And this new king Jesus did three things, he preached, A message of repentance, calling people, turn your hearts over to God because God's kingdom is here. Number two, he taught. He taught what it was like to live under the reign of God. He he taught things like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And if you want to follow after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And the greatest among you is the one who serves. If you want to have importance in life, be like a child. He taught the ways of discipleship. And then number three, he healed. He caused the deaf to hear and the blind to see and the lame to walk and he cleansed the leper and he raised the dead until finally Christ took the suffering upon himself. He was ridiculed, he was beaten, he was flogged, he was crucified. And he took the curse of sin upon himself and he broke its power. Praise God. He broke its power. And then three days later, he was raised from the grave, declaring he is Lord over life and death. And he appeared to his apostles, his disciples, and he said, I want you to go and be witnesses of what you have seen and witnessed. He said, because there's a new covenant, a new covenant in my blood. I want you to go be witnesses. And then he ascended back to the Father. What was going to happen next? It leads us to the next chapter, chapter five, which is church, church. Acts chapter two, it says, on the day of Pentecost, while they were all gathered together in one place, they heard the noise of a violent rushing wind coming from heaven. And there were tongues of fire distributing themselves upon their heads and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Those apostles, they became filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and they began to preach the message. And what was the message they preached? It was that a new king has come, Christ, and he's come, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, he is now Lord in Christ, and a new covenant can be found in him. And when the people heard that message, they said, what are we to do? Peter said do two things, repent, turn your life over to the Lord Jesus and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In that day, 3,000 people responded to the message and were baptized and what we know as a church was born. But I want you to notice something. In many ways, God was fulfilling what he'd always said he was going to do. He created a people to be a blessing. They didn't live up to God's purposes. So he sent his son Jesus who brought a new covenant and now we are God's new covenant people filled with a new heart, filled with a new spirit that's gonna enable us to be a blessing to the rest of the world. There's two things different about the church than Israel. Number one, the church is not based on any ethnicity. You don't have to be a Jew to be a part of the church. All it's centered on is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, we are all one in Christ Jesus. But secondly, Israel was called to be a light to the nations. The church is called to go to the nations, to go and proclaim the message and be witnesses that Christ the King has come, and we can be a part of a new covenant, and we can experience blessing instead of the curse of sin. And so Paul and Peter, Timothy and Titus, they did that. They they went all over the world proclaiming the message of Jesus. And there was something that empowered them to do that and kept them moving. It was hope, which leads us to the sixth chapter in Scripture, and that is new creation. Revelation 21 Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I saw new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for a husband, and I heard a voice from the throne say, Behold, the dwelling of God is among men. There was a hope that those early Christians had, and that hope was that someday God was going to finish the plan that he started way back when he started that covenant with Abraham. And that someday Christ is gonna come back. And this time every knee is gonna bow and every tongue is gonna to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the curse of sin is gonna be removed, praise God. There's gonna be no, no crying, no mourning, no pain, no death, because the curse of sin is going to be removed and all those who are not going to submit to the lordship of Jesus are going to be separated and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth where we will be surrounded by our brothers and sisters and we will be at the throne of Jesus Christ and we will worship and serve him forever. Amen. Now church, I want you to look at this great looking group of college students. This is our faith. This is our story, this is what we believe. It's that God created the world and declared it to be good that the curse of sin entered our world and caused it to be broken. But God had a plan, and he started it with Israel when he made a covenant with them, but Israel didn't live up to that covenant, and so he sent his son Jesus as a new king who died on the cross, taking the weight of sin upon himself, starting a new covenant that we can be a part of as his church, and when we're baptized into Christ, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we become witnesses of what we've experienced, and we await the day when new creation will happen. This is our faith. This is our story. This is our gospel, church. This is our good news that our world that has been broken by sin is now being put together through Jesus Christ. And he can put our lives back together and he can put our whole world back together and we as his church are to join in that. This is our faith. This is our gospel. All right, guys, y'all can go sit down. Thank you so much for your work, for your help. Didn't they do a good job? Maybe another way to explain the gospel, a metaphor, if you will, is puzzles. I got three kids. My two girls, when they were really young, they really liked puzzles. They liked those board puzzles. Do you know those, those puzzles where you have a board and you got the puzzle there and you try to fit it all in there together. Well, the way they would do those board puzzles is they'd take the board and they'd dump it over, and all the puzzles would, puzzle pieces would go everywhere, and then they'd start searching through all those puzzle pieces and start putting them back on the board. That's kind of the way it is with our world. Our world right now is a bunch of broken pieces mixed up everywhere. And you can see it all the time. You can see it on the news. You can see what's going on in our world. You can see it with the divisiveness all around us. You can see it with the poverty that we see. You can see it in all the struggles of sin and loneliness and illness and death and everything we're going through. It's just broken pieces everywhere. And not only that, people in their lives have broken pieces. Your friends at college, they have broken pieces in their lives, maybe it's from their parents, maybe from relationships in their life, maybe they're struggling in their grades, maybe they're struggling and, and just trying to figure out life. Our lives get full of broken pieces, that's what the curse of sin does. And so how do we put these broken pieces back together? It's really simple, you just gotta find the board. You gotta find the board. And we have the board, church. The board is Jesus. And that's the message of the gospel, is that through Jesus, all of the broken pieces of our lives and our world can be put back together in him. And that's good news. As Ron mentioned, I I was a preacher in Fort Worth, Texas for 15 years. And several years ago, one Sunday morning, there was a, a lady who, who walked into our church foyer. I didn't recognize her. I knew she was a guest. So I went up to her. I said, good morning, I'm Steve Kloer. What brings you to Southside this morning? That was the name of our church, Southside Church of Christ. What brings you to Southside? She said, well, I'm going through a lot of problems, and I was just kind of hoping church would help. That's not normally what you hear in the church foyer, is it? What do you say to that? I said, well, you're not here by accident. You're here because God brought you here. And he brought you here for a reason. Come to find out, this lady was, she had a lot of broken pieces in her life. Her marriage was falling apart. Her job was not going well. She had children that were being rebellious. In fact, things were so bad, she thought about committing suicide. But she had a grandfather who had heard about all the broken pieces in her life and said, you need to go find a church. (laughs) And she was driving down the street in front of our church building and she saw our sign, Southside Church of Christ. She thought, there's a church. I'll try them out. She got up on Sunday morning and she got in her car and she drove around the church parking lot three times just to get up enough courage to walk in the door. And she walks in the door and I meet her she tells me, I've got a lot of problems. Thought church could help. We meet a couple weeks later. She begins to tell me about all these broken pieces in her life. And I told her, You've got a lot of brokenness. And we can talk about all that. But the first step you've got to find that board. And that board is Jesus. And Jesus can put the broken pieces of your life back together. We have to give our life to him. We have to repent. We have to be baptized into Christ. But that's the message of the gospel, is that God can take the curse and brokenness of our sin. He He can put it back together through Jesus. So are you ready to do that? She said, I think I am. Next week or two, during the invitation, she comes to the front ready to be baptized. Well, fast forward about a year or so. I give her a call. She's been attending our church. I said, How are things going? I know you had a lot of stuff going on in your life. How's it going now? This is what she said. She said, Yeah, I still have my ups and downs. She said, But now I have joy. Now I have hope. Now, I have purpose. And I know why she had those things. It's because she found the gospel. The gospel is good news, folks. It changes lives. When we submit to the lordship of Jesus, he can take our broken pieces and put them back together. Praise God. And it could be that there are some of you here, you need that gospel in your life. But you've got broken pieces, and you've heard the good news today, and Jesus wants to take those broken pieces and put them back together, and if you're ready to repent of your sins and be baptized, he can do that. He can do that, and there are probably some of us that have forgotten how good the gospel is. We've forgotten the story and we need renewal. We need to be reminded that I need to turn my life over to Jesus over and over again and recommit to him. And if you need renewal in your life, come to the front during our song. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. The Lord Jesus is here, and he wants to put those broken pieces back. If we can help you this morning, please come now as together we stand.